This episode was recorded before the protest and the terrorist attack on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. in January 2021. All content in this episode is not directly associated with what occurred in January 2021, Washington, D.C. Capitol protests and terrorist attacks. All right, welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And on today's show, we're going to uh, speak with one of my favorite uh, podcast hosts, Cola B. Talking. Uh, she is the host uh, and founder of uh, Black in the Garden Podcast. And we're going to be able to learn about her journey, about what she has going on, uh, what she has coming up in her new season of her podcast, uh, what she's been working on. And also, let's get into uh, the black equity of gardening, farming, agriculture, and how that currently is looking in the landscape. To me, this is an episode you do not want to miss. Uh, we've taken you down so many different pathways of black equity. You do not want to miss one on agriculture. Both of us in this episode have had a very intimate relationship with agriculture, which has allowed us to give a unique perspective on agriculture. So hopefully you will enjoy this episode. I know you will. Uh, so sit back, enjoy taking the, the gems, write down your notes. And of course, if you want to... Uh, partner or collaborate uh, with either I or Black in the Garden podcast. Stay tuned towards the end of the show to learn more. Uh, so without further ado, I'm DJ Mojo of Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. back for another great episode of black equity podcast and this is a conversation that is a long time coming uh, many of Indeed. our listeners uh, have heard our guest today on her podcast and uh, some of the listeners on her podcast have listened to our podcast over here at black equity podcast and so uh, I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation. Before we introduce our guest today, this is not going to be the uh, typical episode. I think this is a, a time in, in history and a time in our culture where two uh, really powerful hosts uh, can sit down and kind of share with each other what they're seeing in Black culture and give our own unique perspectives. But I also want to use this time uh, to let everybody know about our our guest podcast and the different work that she's doing. Uh, so uh, on the line with us is the host of Black in the Garden podcast, Cola B. Talking. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Hey, how y'all doing, Soil Cousins? Because all y'all, the soil connects us. We're going to get to that. <laughs> so, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We're so grateful to have you on Black Equity for those who do not know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your podcast, and a little bit about uh, some of the projects you're working on. 
Well, hello, hello. I am Cola B. Talking. I call myself the hostess with the mostest. Uh, just, you know, kind of chiming on my dynamic hosting and speaking and, and, you know, the charismaticness of all of that. I know that's not a word. It's fine. I make up words okay. as well. So well, that's well, one thing you should know about me. That's right. Uh, I'm a hyper creative. So I'm just always like trying to figure out like, well, actually not trying to figure out the ideas. They flow to me freely and abundantly. So, you know, that really does influence a lot of the things that I do. And I make a big deal to emphasize hyper creativity because I've met so many people just this year in starting Black in the Garden who I can recognize like the symptoms, I'm using air quotes, uh, because it just, it, it becomes apparent. It's like, just be overwhelmed, you know, sometimes. And it's one of those things where I feel like there needs to be more attention paid to it so we can kind of come together and really, really build off of that because hyper creativity is a, is a wonderful thing. It could be a bit of a burden sometimes, but you know, that's that. Uh, obviously I'm a gardener. Uh, I love the plants. I love the house plants. Really, they're so beautiful and they're great for cleansing the air in, in the house and meditative purposes and so much more. And I also love uh, growing food and really being an advocate for connecting Black people, all right? Everybody, but particularly Black people and the youth, uh, the Black youth to nature via gardening, right? So it's, I really know that a lot of our problems can be solved uh, in our community by paying more attention to, you know, our connection with nature and definitely growing our own food. So that's a big deal for me. I'm a mom. I am a, I call myself a plantrepreneur and um, I'm even really leaning into just like plain entrepreneurship. That's a big deal for me as well. I'm a budding entrepreneur because I'm figuring this shit out. Like I'm, I'm trying to get it together. I'm assuming we can cuss. Yes, of course. I got a few more of those bombs to drop. All right. (laughs) And, and something that I, I typically bring up as well is that I am a former trucker. So I know all the cuss words, but I know a lot of really fancy words as well. You know, litigiously is what I like to say. Every Just time, to make sure you understand. I'll be reading dictionaries. I understand. Well, every time you say you're a trucker, <laughs> I always think to myself, could I really drive um like what, what's the what's the truck called? The a rig, eighteen wheeler. Eighteen wheeler, eighteen wheeler. That's the that's what I had in my head. I yeah. always wonder, could I really drive an eighteen wheeler? How big of an adjustment was it when you first got behind the wheel? Wow interestingly interestingly enough i know you're in charlotte that's where i learned how to do it i went to trucking school in charlotte uh for one of the largest companies in the nation i'm not gonna name no names because i might shit on them uh but (laughs) (laughs) and i don't want no smoke right but uh getting behind the wheel it learning was nerve-wracking it mm-hmm. was very, there was a lot of nerves involved because at that time in my life, I was 21. I was like freshly qualified because you have to be 21 to be able to do it. And I was at a point in my life where I felt like a lot was at stake mm-hmm. and going through trucking school felt very much like a reality show because like mm-hmm. people kept getting sent home. They wasn't right, making a right. cut. Right. And it was very much like from day to day, like I remember there was this one, uh, gentleman who I had become very good friends with. And I just remember how heartbroken I was when he was like, I got to go. And I was just like, 
am. But also in the back of my mind, it's like, that shit wouldn't happen to me, though. Because, like, I am on top of mind. But, okay, so after I got all the nerves out, after I kind of figured out, okay, this is how this works, and I built up my confidence, uh, it felt good. Getting behind the wheel, I I felt very empowered, especially as a young woman Mm -hmm. and a young Black woman. And, you know, to be honest, I'll just put this out there. I'm doing so much with podcasting. I will be incorporating that into a podcast. Okay. Oh, show. So that's a little preview. I'm going to tell some stories. Some of them going to be a little nasty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're going to talk about capitalism and all that other kind of stuff. I've given it a lot of thought. Uh, you know, that's I what do, you do when you drive a truck. You got a lot of time to think. I do have a trucking question towards the end of this show. So for those who okay. stick around and listen in, I just have, it's going to be the million dollar question about trucking that I want to ask you. Um, But before we get into that, uh, you mentioned being the host of Black in the Garden. Why focus, because I get this question all the time. So it's like, it's actually uh, a fresher breath of air to actually ask it to someone else. Why put Black in the name? I get that all the time. Why does Black have to be? I'm rolling my eyes at that because like that's one of those things that was definitely a part of the conversation when I'm discussing the concept with some of my friends when I'm coming up with it because it's like, oh, you don't want to alienate such and such or you don't want to be da 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 with the interest of, you know, wanting to be inclusive for lack of a better word. But really it what it boils down to when I know that I'm out here specifically wanting to reach my people I need to make sure you understand it's for you. First glance, first listen, first time you hear about it, you need to know this is some black shit right here. This is for you specifically. Right. And it comes across in, in every every way that I can make it possible. But uh, to answer the question, I, to make sure that we that I put black in the name so you know that this is the cookout, okay? You, you know, know when, we, my people understand what I mean when I say the cookout. No, I definitely understand. When when I had made the decision to do it, I I was coming from it from a similar similar standpoint. I thought it was a dedication to my people. I thought it was yeah. um I thought it was a way to honor everything I had been through and give something back. And so the I'll be honest with you, the main people who have an issue with it are black. That's and so the, weird. It's, it's so crazy. Ah! I'm like, wait, what? I'm having this conversation with you? You, you have an issue weird. with it saying Black equity? It's like, why can't it be something else? And so I, I wondered, did you get any pushback? And if you did, did they look like you and I for the word Black being in the title of, of, of your podcast? Actually, no. Thinking back on it, I did not get any pushback. It was just, you know, kind of knocking the concept around at first. It was very much like, let me be clear about how I'm about to do this and why I'm about to do it this way. And let me be intentional about putting it in there. So even when I was, you know, excuse me, having someone asking me, having my friend ask me, like, are you sure you want to do it that way? I was just like, yeah, I'm sure. And it just... I know that it wasn't a marketing thing, but considering all the business behind it and the marketing behind it, it paid off because what I came to understand as I continued to study my craft 
and understand more about how podcasting works and what makes a podcast successful mm-hmm. is that you need to have a niche. Yeah. Like if you just out here saying, hey, I'm such and such, and I just want to talk about people, places, and things, who cares, girl? Who right. really can't? Like you really got to be, it's easier for you to be successful in being so uh, vague about what you're talking about or who you're addressing when you're say like a, I don't know, a Wendy Williams or somebody who was already established as a celebrity or an influencer or whatever. I started Black in the Garden. Nobody knew what the hell it was. And I had zero followers on Instagram. That's the main social I use. So that's why I refer to that. But right. yeah, nobody knew what it was or who I was. And so I had to be very intentional about a lot of things. And that was one of them, making sure that you know what's Black. And just so you know, feel free to ask any questions. Uh, this is an uh, opportunity for both of us to go back and forth. But I'm going to go ahead and continue sure. with, with my next question for you. So when you're building your brand and people are gravitating towards what you're doing, how did you, how was the momentum? Did you, was it oh a, a, a fast growth? Was it a slow growth? Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience, just seeing your community start building. It was a fast growth. It was mm. so cool. Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm sorry about the noise in the background. My kids, they yeah. outside playing or whatever, but like, just know this is real life. <laughs> yeah, do your thing, do your thing. They so, know. okay, yeah. So, okay, so the growth was rapid, yes. And I, I'm still anticipating tremendous growth in the future. Um, even like I said, with Instagram having recently um, reached 10,000 soil cousins, as I like to call them, I don't really like oh, all I that like follower that. type talk. You know soil what I mean? Cousins. Soil cousins. I appreciate y'all so much. And uh, you all are welcome to become one if you don't feel like you is. You is. You are. But I'm talking about, you know, followership. But right. so the thing about the rapid growth that I love is that I projected it. I anticipated it because I knew that me starting a black ass podcast about gardening and emphasizing the voices of black gardeners in a very fun and interesting and charismatic and just kind of like quirky way. Cause that's all, those are all things that I embody. And I was like, I want to bring that to my show. I want to bring my whole self to the show. I want to bring my whole black self to the show. And I want to engage with guests who are going to give me that as well. I do my best not to bring on somebody who is dry. Like I don't, I, that's not fun for me. So it's not going to be fun for you. So I am very intentional about uh, incorporating as many elements of intrigue and, and, you know, fun and, and a good black time into my show as I possibly can. But like I said, I just, I knew it was going to take off and it really did. I remember I started almost a year ago, uh, probably by the time this airs, I'm not really sure when, but I know that November makes the year of Black in the Garden. Okay. All right. And so when I started out in 2019, at the end of 2019, it didn't have nothing to do with, you know, plants trending or becoming what they have become by now, you know, as a real result of what I call the plant-demic. <laughs> right. No, you're um, right. I wasn't thinking about none of that because I have been gardening for a few years before then, but I I just cannot emphasize enough that I knew it was going to take off. I'm like, once people get wind of this 
especially those who are into plants and gardening, especially the Blacks, but whoever is interested as well mm-hmm. is going to take off. So, yes, that. What was it, What do you think it was about gardening, plants, that whole world that resonated with our community? Ooh. especially, and I'm asking that from a standpoint of people who weren't even into it at first. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's, there's an intrigue where it's like, okay, black in the garden. Hmm. I know this is about gardening. I know it's black, but like, let me see, like, what is she, what is she bringing? What is she giving us? And so, you know, I got to the point by the time I got a cute little theme song situated, when you first hear the show, it's very much like, hey, just the way that I came in, you know? So it's like, uh, once you once you have that initial curiosity about what you're going to get and then you tune in and you're like, oh, there's there's a lot of energy here. This is, this is a very intentional situation. Then I, I'm trying to pull you in. You know, I want to draw you in. So there's that. But um, there's also, what came up for me when you asked that question is the concept of gardening being some white people shit. Mm-hmm. Like many things, like you know, I don't know, crocheting, hiking, right? Uh, kombucha, Paul McCartney. I don't know, but well, the Paul McCartney one, I could. Okay, I could, <laughs> okay, I could, I could, I could have gave you a better example. Okay. I don't know, it's okay, but I don't know, rowing, sure, just you know, pastimes and things that are associated with whiteness, mm-hmm. and so I just. I, I just I could see how like if you're already interested in gardening, uh, but you feel disconnected from gardening or plants or anything horticulturally related, finding out that there is a black person who is talking about it and and being intentional about talking about it in a way that makes it relatable to my people. Um, that's definitely something that was, was a part of that equation to answer the question. I I wonder, you know, I did a, uh, internship when I was in, in college, Mm -hmm. I did an internship with a agricultural bank and in, mm -hmm, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, I went to South Carolina state university and they had, they had a little pipeline where they were trying to get more black people into their program. And so I ended up working with this, one of the top agricultural related banks. And so when I say agricultural bank, literally they only give out loans to ag related type of situations. And so that could nice. be like uh chicken farms. Um, it could be a, a, a horse ranch. Uh, it, anything agricultural type of related that they can actually get funding through, they will um, they will give out funding. And so I I followed the salesperson around, and I I went on the different sales tours. I even went to uh, I think it was in like Newberry, South Carolina. They My were, sister works there. Dope, dope. They yeah. had a um, a uh, polo. They were playing polo with with the horses and the polo players. Actual polo. Actual polo. Right. And and so one of the biggest things was they had to make sure that this person 
the person that was trying to get the loan was a polo player. He makes like four or five million dollars a year, but it's all through polo. And so it's wow. not like a, a is he case... black? No, no. He he he's like Italian. Oh, okay. Like... I was just trying to see, like, is he an eligible bachelor? Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Your girl uh, on the market. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, too. All right. But, and so I, I went I went to this polo match. They were trying to figure out if this guy was going to be suitable for a loan because he didn't have the necessary financial papers because he just plays polo and wins. And so they were. He just, makes a living off of polo. Exactly. But the loan wow. isn't the loan isn't for polo. It's really for the upkeep of his horses. Because see, polo, okay. polo isn't about the rider. Okay. It's about the horse. Okay. The Teach horses, me something. The horses are costing $25,000 a pop, $40,000 a pop, depending on the horse. And then you got to- I've been following Compton Cowboys, so I've been getting my education on that. I bring all this up because I was sitting, I was sitting in the car with one of the top VPs at the bank, and we were just driving around, and we were talking about agriculture. What kind of car was it? It was a it was this big ram truck. Okay. Um, I'm just nosy. It's all right. It's all good. <laughs> and so we're riding through like Bamberg, South Carolina. And okay. he says, because I'll never forget this. And I think it's one of the first times I've shared this story. He says, Ooh, We need exclusive. to bring we need to bring more black people into this space. A lot of people are a lot of black people are afraid of uh agriculture because of the history of it Ooh, that um, environmental trauma comes up right exactly and so Mm. it's it's played in my mind almost all the time and then you and i meet and you're talking about black in the garden like then immediately my mind goes back 10 years ago 15 years ago whatever it is now to Mm -hmm. that conversation of wait a second it's almost like a manifestation where this guy saying hey you know, if we can get more people in, it would be wonderful because there's a lot of opportunity in this space. There's a lot of right. money flowing in agriculture. But then... Absolutely! Yes, go ahead, because I got a lot to say about that. But then we don't ever talk about it. And so then I, we bump into each other, and you're putting out your podcast, and you and I have some really dope off-the-mic conversations. And, and one of the things I mentioned to you, I had to make sure I said it to you because it was so important and you didn't you may not have knew where it all rooted from it but it rooted from that conversation because i'm watching wow. multi-million dollar loans going left and right to these agricultural uh facilities and say so, that one of the things that i mentioned to you was yes this is for the gardener but i also want you to look at this as an agricultural play this is a, this is about agriculture because see what agriculture does is it takes it from being just something you do in your house if we're just you know plants in the house and it mm-hmm. takes it to a global conversation because agriculture is everywhere. Agriculture it, it was here before most things exactly. you know like before any corporation was a corporation there was agriculture. Because it's the production of food from the land, sourced from the land, and we all got to eat. And so you would wonder if agriculture is the foundation of society globally. Yes. Why 
before your podcast was no one speaking to and very maybe I can't say no one, but very few voices were speaking to this space for our community. Mm. Let me say it. Let me drop a name right quick, because this is very important. Like you said, it wasn't it's not just me. Okay, I'm doing it in the way that I'm doing it. And so I know that that's what makes me unique and stand out. But I want to shout out Food Talks in Color, because that is a podcast that does specifically focus on talking to like farmers and getting deep into the agriculture of it all. And there's another kind of on the in that vein, um, Afrobeats podcast. That's B E E T, mm-hmm. like like the vegetable. You get it. <laughs> I got it. And so yeah, those are my pod cousins, and so I shout them out as much as I can uh, because yeah, that conversation is definitely happening. Uh, but yo, you you right though. Yeah, agriculture is big. It's a multi billion dollar industry, and it really controls the the ins and outs of society. Deciding yeah. what decide and i think it's also going to be great to go towards the end of the show to talk about trucking because i okay. actually believe what you do on one level is what you do on the next level damn because when you were trucking i don't know what i don't know what was in those trucks and the, the, don't tell me everything but i don't know what it was ain't in no those- secret okay. i have all kind of stuff i hauled dry freight and i hauled refrigerated as well so i definitely was dealing in was Look, there any agriculture? i know we're going to do it at the end right but just right quick one time I had a load of carrots, mm. like straight up carrots. Like I pulled up, there was no dock. There was no nothing. I pulled up to the farm in the dirt. I just remember there's a lot of flies and stuff. It was, I had to keep my, my doors closed because you can't get flies in the truck. That's, that's real dangerous right, when you're right. driving down the road later. Right. But look, they filled, I didn't know they was doing this. I wasn't nothing I could do about it, but they filled the truck with just raw carrots, like not in bags, not in boxes, straight up carrots. Wow. And then the problem, (laughs) the reason why this stands out is because it's like, yo, okay, the reason why it became an issue for me was because I went down the road to the way station to make sure that my load was, you know, correct. And I wasn't going to get in no trouble at the way stations, right? How about they had overfilled it? It was too heavy. And so... I, I don't, I think I went back to try to get that corrected, but I ended up having to get in the back of the truck and with like basically my bare hands or with gloves, I guess, dump carrots out the back of the truck into a trash can, mm-hmm. which I, I don't recommend that now because the sustainability of it all, it's like, eh, no compost, but right, <laughs> you get right, what I'm right. saying. Mm-hmm. And there was there, I just remember opening the doors like, oh shit, like there's carrots. And it wasn't like a flat floor. It was the kind of floor with a bunch of like little gaps in it. So there's carrots. I was just like, bitch, like y'all set me up. Y'all set me up so bad. But I got to get some of these carrots out of here so that I can get down the road without getting in trouble. When you look at that story Mm -hmm. And you look at some of the other situations that you had in the trucking world. And I mentioned to you what you do on one level is what you're going to do on the next. I love that. Do you, do you see that correlation where, wow, I'm, I'm delivering agriculture. I'm sure you delivered other things as well, but I'm delivering agriculture across the globe or across the United States. And here I am now, one of the leading voices in agriculture. Wow. Yeah, no, that's not lost on me. 
that's definitely not lost on me. Um, who that was it. I, I pride myself on making connections between as much as possible. Uh, and so when I'm talking a lot of times on my show, I, you can, it becomes apparent where I say, well, you know, lessons that I learned from plants. Like I did a whole episode where it was just me with no guests, where I was like, these are five lessons that I learned about survival Mm. from just observing my house plants or even just plants in general, because the thing about plants is that they're very resilient. And even if you don't know nothing about a plant or whatever, you have brought home an onion from the grocery store and you have maybe come back to that onion and noticed that little green thing sticking out. To me, that is, that's a prime example. That onion is still alive and it very much wants to continue to live. And so if you like stick it in some water, it's going to do its thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, there's, you can look it up on YouTube or whatever. There's a lot of um, things that we can get from the grocery store where, you know, you can keep it going. You just got to kind of like chop it a certain way. Like I propagate pineapple tops. You can grow a whole new pineapple from that pineapple. Like don't throw the top away, girl. Stuff like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention that. I wanted to mention the agricultural agricultural lens of this because I, if if it's true that what you do on one level is what you do on the next, then me sitting there in these um, rooms watching three million dollar loans be transferred over from one to a, from a bank to um, like I said a chicken farm, I had no idea. I mean, I, I spent my entire life. Uh, not entire life, but I spent a lot of my, <laughs> my life eating chicken, and I never like really asked. Just had some wings a few minutes you ago. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, good, but that's agriculture. E- even if you don't consider the actual chicken agriculture, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're feeding the chicken, there's your. That's it. And so, yes, one way or another, it all connects. They do. And, and so as you're feeding the chicken, they're, what they're saying is, well, I need a loan for these five to 15 different, uh, I guess they call them like row houses or chicken farm houses mm-hmm. to actually house these chickens in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm visiting these, these places and these locations, multi-million dollar loans, money is moving and shaking. And then you, you drive back down to Orangeburg and there's a homeless man on a corner and you're like, wow, you know, he doesn't know the game that's being played out here in the agricultural space. He's, he's begging for a hamburger. He's begging. You see what I'm saying? He's begging for, he's begging for the agriculture in which I just watched multi-million dollars worth be exchanged within seconds. See, what that brings up for me is this concept that I'm really looking forward to uh, bringing to life, which is a pantry garden. And I want to speak on that a little bit because there's a lot of things that we can 
there's a lot of things that we can really glean from that concept. For me, that was one of the first thoughts that I had when I started gardening, when I realized, oh, I can grow stuff. Oh, I can grow food. Like this doesn't really cost a lot of money. Like when I first started gardening, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I remember like legit pulling up on the side of, of a big box store and stealing bags of soil and putting them in the back of in the trunk, like, y'all ain't using this. Y'all ain't gonna notice. Whatever, whatever. I'm the reason why they put them fences around the outside. You know what I that mean? Was you. That was you. <laughs> that was me. I'm sorry. I messed it up for everybody else. Free soil for everybody. But uh, we gonna come back to that because I do have an initiative that's, you know, I'm starting to cook up uh, right now okay. to kind of address that. But yeah, I, I just... It goes back to childhood for me. It goes back to being brought up in a household where sometimes, you know, Uncle Al need to come through because, you know, he done got evicted or whatever and come stay with us for a few weeks or, uh, you know, situations like that, you know, being that household where it's, it's like refuge, but also being that household where if you was ever hungry, there is always food. You know, my mom don't know how to cook small meals to this day. It's her and my dad now at the house still like buffet style. Mm. <laughs> and so I say all that to say that, you know, I grew up in a household where abundance was not something that was like withheld, you know, it was something, it was philanthropic, I guess it was like freely giving. Yeah. And so for me that it wasn't that they said you should always share. It was just instilled in me because I saw that this was the culture of my family my, my immediate family. And so as I, when I become an adult, I've definitely taken some people in and I'm going to kick some people out because you got to act right in my house. That's okay. Right. <laughs> but I've taken your, some people in. to your grandma right there. Listen, you can't <laughs> act right. You want to come in here and, and, and you want to, uh, your kids wake up before you. And then I'm a, I'm in here fixing them breakfast, girl, get your priorities in check. Okay, but we're not talking about her right now because that's a real story. But um, that taking people in, but also having a spirit of generosity where I'm like, you know what? I could like feed the hood with this with this skill, with this ability. It's the form of activism, as it turns out. That's that really got me turned uh, towards gardening because I back when I first started using MySpace way long time ago, I remember my screen name was uh, part of my screen name was uncommonly rebellious. Mm. And so I just loved when I recognized this is another form. It's just like what you just said, like what you're doing on one level is on another level. Mm-hmm. And so just stuff like that. So I just realized I can grow food and, you know, I, I had a community garden plot uh, early in the game. I didn't really know what I was doing, so it didn't go so well, but recognizing, okay, the, just having access to land and having the ability to grow, uh, whether that be authorized access or not, because I do, uh, I do definitely identify as what I like to call a gorilla gardener. Like I don't, I'm not coming in here asking for permission. If I feel like if I got time and the ability and the opportunity to come and grow on some land that I don't have permission to grow on, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Because the sense of urgency is there in that space where I would be doing something like that. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. In well, the hood, yeah. in particular, yeah. where our people are hungry and our people, you know, you can, 
like that. I'm just still thinking about that, that beggar that you were talking about, that, that poor man. I'm like, yo, you know, you go to the food bank and cause I've been to food banks. Like mm-hmm. I just, I've been as an adult, especially with the marriage that I was in and just things not being, you know, um, manners of, of finances not being uh, tended to appropriately and dealing with poverty and scarcity as a result of that, I done been to some food pantries. I done uh, spent plenty of snap dollars, okay? So knowing what that experience was like, particularly at the food bank and receiving those boxes or whatever and seeing what was in them and noticing that in many cases, there's just a lot of processed food. There's a lot of not fresh food. You know what I mean? So I was, I, that it's not like I wasn't even gardening when I was in those situations where I was going to the food bank, but that's not something that ever left me. I'm the, I'm not the type that's going to get away from the situation or, you know, find myself doing better and then forgetting about what it was like before. Like, I just, I just know that my people are largely involved in poverty and scarcity and struggle. And so as soon as I recognize something that I'm able to do to reach back and to offer that support, I'm going to do that. So that's why that's where the whole concept of growing a pantry garden came from. And to anybody who's listening, who is already gardening or is thinking about gardening, I would encourage you to consider that, consider that you can grow for good. You can really be out here helping people, especially children. Have you come across uh, on your podcast or just in life in general, this idea of, because you're kind of touching on it a little bit, Mm -hmm. this idea of food deserts all across the country, right? Where there's these these blocks and areas, because as much as I'm studying on one level, I'm studying agriculture, then on another level, when I'm looking at the economics of our culture, I'm mm-hmm. looking at these huge 10 mile radiuses in major cities, by the way. Yeah. This isn't just in the middle of nowhere. Major cities, Baltimore, Detroit, um, Houston, there are major cities that have six to 10 mile radiuses where people cannot get adequate access to food. And that burns me up. <laughs> the closest thing to food for them is Dollar General and, you know, canned can meats or canned foods or, like you said, Process. processed foods. Has that situation come up at all through your conversations and, you know, maybe how we can address? I know you were talking about your initiative and uh, having this vision, but, you know, what, are your, what is your takeaway when you hear about these food deserts? Of so many ways that I could go as far as answering that goes. I have not specifically discussed that on my show yet. It turns out there that when you get into talking about gardening, agriculture, horticulture, planting, whatever, there's a lot of content. So that's the main reason why I haven't gotten to that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I definitely would want to discuss with someone who can break it down in a very scholarly way. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm actually taking note that I need to revisit, put that back at the top of the list because, you know, I'm gearing up for season three right now and we still got space for some guests. So yeah, I ha- is, to answer that, I have not 
specifically addressed that on my show yet. I know I've mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I definitely have uh, uh, said in a very specific way several times, kind of like a call to action, like, yo, hey, y'all listening, you're gardening, grow something for your people who don't have it, you know? Right. So that that for sure. But that is a big concern of mine and that there's another connection right there with that concept of like what happens with the corporations uh, in those food deserts. It in many food deserts, let's say it was not a food desert until that big ass grocery store got shut down. Right. For whatever reason, it don't even matter why it doesn't matter if they feel like, Oh, well, this isn't, you know, this, it wasn't performing like we wanted it to perform financially, or, you know, there's too much risk here in this neighborhood. It don't matter why it shut down. I'm not the type to be getting all bogged down in like the what's and the why's when it comes to, once again, that sense of urgency that people feel when they are hungry, you know what I mean? Like, and I've, I've seen this kind of almost firsthand when I was involved in a city council uh, committee where it was specifically developed in order to address things like that. And I remember like uh, either going to some of the meetings or even like reading the emails and keeping up with the saga that was happening. This was specifically in Columbia, South Carolina, where uh, there was a a -a Save-A-Lot that closed down in a very vulnerable neighborhood. And there was all this damn red tape about, well, what are we going to do here? Or who going to bring this or whatever? And then the rent was like ridiculous and the, the whoever wanted to come in couldn't really come in because they they just jacked the prices up in such a weird way. But like I said, the sense of urgency is still there for those who are left without access to that store anymore, where they were otherwise able to get that fresh food before that store shut down. And that's one example. But I wonder, just, just to flip the coin a little bit and look at the other side, were we too reliant on grocery stores absolutely because even if you have five in the area Mm -hmm. i mean we're still relying so much on these corporations to feed us and not (sighs) everything in those stores are even that good anyway to be honest with you yeah because you know like (laughs) when you want organic right that's there's a tax on organic if you grow on your own food you grow your own organic and then if you you know, there's so many different types. I always love to br- bring this up to people who are curious about gardening, especially growing food. There's so many different types of like every vegetable. Did you know there's pink celery? I did not know that. Who would have imagined? There's a literally a rainbow of tomatoes. There's purple tomatoes. There's like this uh, hybrid, I think, this uh, rainbow looking tomato. It looked like candy or something like that. It's just like kind of iridescent. There's yellow tomatoes, peach. You know what I mean? I mean, there's... You can think of, you can conceptualize that when you think about apples, you know, we got green apples, red apples in in somewhat spots of yellow and all that other stuff on there. There's a lot of different types, you know, and and just, I'm just really getting on the organics of it all and, and the diversity of the availability of produce that we generally don't see outside of like a Whole Foods, right? Mm-hmm. But once again, you go into Whole Foods, there's a, there's a whole tax, <laughs> Uh, all of that produce but I'm just trying to bring it back to empowering people to know with the knowledge 
of I can grow all this air quotes, fancy stuff. I can grow it myself. And I want to shout out Seed Mail. That's my homegirl. She runs the seed company where if you go on her website right now, seedmailseed.co, you can see what I'm talking about. You can see this. It, she literally depicts that on her seed packaging, which is beautiful packaging, by the way. But you can go on there and you can order seeds. And this is all, I love how this is all going together. It's like all of this is connected. But she sells her seeds intentionally for 99 cents a pack because access. Some of these seeds, like if you get a seed uh, catalog or if you go down to whatever, wherever you find seeds at, they're not generally going to be 99 cents. They're going to be at least maybe like a dollar fifty, upwards to, you know, two to, to maybe even four dollars. But she is very intentional about making like 95% of her stock available for 99 cents. And this is beautiful, like broccolini and, you know, all different kinds of of things that you can grow. Now, I hate to admit this. Admit it. I'm I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'll just be honest. Oh, me too. I love conspiracies. I I call it that just so that people understand where I'm coming from, but I just call it critical thinking. That too. Right? And so as Mm -hmm. a critical thinker, I would wonder if I'm the government, if I'm Uh -uh. the government, wouldn't I want everybody to know how to garden? (laughs) Wouldn't I want everybody- On some level. Yeah, I mean, if if I was a government that cared about my people, at least, let me put that there. See, that's important. I, I, yeah, important I distinction to make. Yes. I would want I would want the information to go out that everybody could have their own garden and grow their own food instead of having these huge backyards of nothingness. Oh, right? That's a pain point for me. <laughs> we have we have huge backyards of beautiful grass, right? And it looks good. I mean, it looks good. DJ, go ahead. Listen. Go ahead. That concept of that useless grass was something that really actually kind of inspired me towards plantrepreneurship is what I call it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurship, but put a plan on it. You're growing stuff. It's plantrepreneurship. I would legit get stressed out. I had to, I had to kind of like, I really had to adjust a lot in over time to not get stressed out to this day when I see a yard that is just, I mean, it can be beautiful. I don't really care, but it's like, you could be using that space. And the reason why that was stressful for me in particular was just going back to me struggling when I first started gardening and me sometimes living in, or many times living in an apartment where I did not have access to space. And I just, I just, I didn't care. I just be like, I, I just wanted to go knock on somebody's door and be like, can I grow some food in your yard? I don't got no yard. Right. Stuff it's like just, that. It's but- just sitting there and like you'll, you'll pull into a neighborhood, especially middle-class, upper-class neighborhood. And there's yeah. these huge yards just sitting and sitting. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it on Instagram where, you know, imagine if we took those yards and we turned them all into their own personal gardens it would literally shut down this is where the conspiracy yeah let's get into that we almost got too sidetracked because i'll do that real quick (laughs) it would it would would actually turn the tables if everybody especially 
us. Ooh, yes. It would turn the entire tables of the game and we yeah. really wouldn't have a need for anyone outside of ourselves. And because the majority of, well, the majority is pushing it. A lot of our expenses <laughs> outside of mortgages and rent are based off of our food. Yeah. And so, so we'll, we'll work hard, we'll make money, and then we'll go out and we'll spend it on food. Yeah. But imagine if a huge chunk of our expenses were cut down because it was all right there at at our our foot. So you would yeah, I know wonder, black people love some greens and we could just be growing them ourselves. Growing them ourselves. The only thing we would really need if we were meat eaters would be the meat. And we can go to the butcher for that. Hey, listen, now you talking, now you 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 done brought up the spirit of Fannie Lou Hamer because That's what she more. did was uh I'm getting a little cloudy on all the details because I'm not the historian girl. But I know for sure when I was doing my research on her for the show that I did where I discussed her, uh, she had pigs. She raised pigs. She had like this pig bank. And so what she would do, because it was gardens as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I want to say they were called freedom farms, but I'm like, I don't like to just sound so confident and be loud and wrong. So I'm like, just look into what Fannie Lou Hamer did as far as uh, incorporating agriculture into the civil rights movement, because that was pretty much what made her really uh, special. So, I mean, she was special, period. Don't get me wrong, but you get what I mean. So, right. yeah, she she had pig banks. And her whole thing was, she was quoted to say something like, as long as somebody got a pig in a garden, they good. And so mm. what she did was she you know, she started with a few pigs and she got money through grants or however she got it. And she was connected with a lot of stuff like she's she's worth looking into. Uh, but she started with these pigs and had a certain amount and every family would get like two pigs and they were supposed to. They were supposed to basically get the pigs to procreate and continue to add to the bank while they were also able to get meat from the pigs, right? but also have access to the produce from the garden. So I'm glad that you, I'm glad that came up because I, you know, this is a whole, a real black thing. And that was, she's, well, you, you know, like a, I call her like a foremother for me. Well, you mentioned earlier in this episode, the activism piece. And I see that, that if, if we, cause I'm guilty of it as well. But I know that I'm going to be shifting. It's fine. We're all guilty of some things. We really could, rev- if we really wanted a revolution, like a real revolution, everybody mm-hmm. would stop shopping at grocery stores for the majority. I mean, Ooh, there may be, it. you know, maybe go get some paper towels, but we, you know, we can work around all that. But let's say we did 80% less at grocery stores, grew our yeah. own food, and decided to take back the economy to me it would wow. be a global revolution especially if black if just if Ooh. just black folk did it it would change the entire game i've been thinking about this for quite some time like if you really wanted to You've have been a, ready to have this conversation i've been, I've been you and i should have been <laughs> talking about two years ago if we all had our own it's garden, all good it would have changed it would change the ecosystem of at least united states if not more 
Definitely. Wow. I mean, and you mentioned paper towels and I just want to say right quick on the sustainability tip that mm-hmm. we don't really need paper towels. Tell me more. You cut up them old shirts. We don't really need paper. We, a lot of this paper that we are so obsessed with, we don't need all this paper. We don't even necessarily need toilet paper. Like mm-hmm. if you were really to get into the weeds of sustainability and decide that you wanted to replace as much of your paper products as possible with cloth that mm. you could just easily throw into the washing machine. It's true. Just think about all this old clothes that you probably got piled up somewhere or that you might've just donated or whatever. Just the t-shirts alone. Even that Goodwill, uh, the Goodwills that I would shop at, uh, I haven't been in a while, so I don't know if they do it everywhere or what, but I know that there was this, a few Goodwill stores that I would go into, you know, they get access to so much of that, you know, donated, uh, what is it? Textiles. So what I noticed was you could get like a pack of 20 cloths, but these cloths were cut into these cute little squares, but they all came from old t-shirts. And I had like a very sustainable, um, uh, I guess childbirth experience with my, um, my second daughter who I had like a home birth and I, everything was natural with her. Mm -hmm. And so With that, I would take those cloth scraps. I would just, and the packs were like a dollar too. They were really inexpensive, but this is something that you could easily do yourself. But yeah, just to get into like the, you know, the dependence on all the things, especially considering the pandemic of it all, uh, we definitely have some workarounds around our dependence on paper. Got a point. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned so that's earlier. an option, even with your period, ladies. You, they don't call it on the rag for nothing. You, we use, we literally used to put a rag down there. You know what I'm saying? I know that's right. not cute in 2020, but right. it's an option. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the free soil initiative that you wanted to mention. I wanted to make sure we give you um, the space to talk on that before I ask my million dollar question. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, it's it's really simple, but also along the lines of changing the whole ecosystem with us growing our own food. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we might need to do like a part two or something. We, 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 an hour ain't enough to get into all of this. So just let me know how you want to do that and when, Uh, but, and also Ron Finley, because he's the, that's the name. Just look that. Look him up. He's 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 very much the activist guy that is uh, commonly modern day. Like you know, he's still like very much alive and thriving at it. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's associated with uh, this whole movement in general? Uh, so, so the question you asked was, I was I saying uh, we have we have time to speak about your free soil initiative that you wanted to make the soil. Yes. Okay, so it's very simple. Once again, sustainability is very important to me. And I was involved with or concerned with it. I'm not going to say that I've been the best practitioner of sustainability in in all of my ways, because it truly is a way of life. It truly does require a lot of shifts for us to do something like, you know, not use any paper and and just use cloth instead. And, you know, because it's reusable, so it's, it's more sustainable and things like that. Um, and it does save money by the way, but, um, so it simply came to me very recently, just 
one specific example of how this would all work is the concept of what happens with all the pumpkins uh, between the day after Halloween and right after Thanksgiving. Mm. There's like billions of pounds of pumpkins that are produced for mainly decorative purposes. You just set them on your, set them outside or put it as part of your display in the house. Right. Uh, Jack-o'-lanterns, whatever. But I just recognize that, damn, that's a lot of pumpkins that end up going in the trash, right. in the trash. And so that is bad for the earth. You know, climate change is very real. And so I know that is a conversation and that's a whole other conversation. I'll, I'll give you a few references. I'm not the best one to speak on the particulars of that, but I just know that I care. And I know that food waste is a big contributor to climate change in the way that we don't want it to change. Okay. So I say all that to say that with these pumpkins, instead of throwing them away, we could collectively compost them. So Mm. my intention is to set up uh, uh, some kind of initiative. It's literally Mm. in like the embryo stage right now, Okay, but to set up a, a community kind of some some way where we're collectively getting all these pumpkins together, chopping them up, laying them out uh, and burying them and doing what all the steps that are um, associated with composting. Look, I got my composting book right here. I got to read up on it myself because, you know, it's simple, but it's also there's science involved. So what happens after we, if we compost generally t- can take at least three months to go from, you know, raw material to compost. You know, you don't just go bury a pumpkin and come back in two weeks and you got compost. No. Right. Uh, but let me also mention that compost is when you're considering organic gardening um, and you also want to look into how George Washington Carver, let's, let's get off this peanut shit. George Washington Carver was very much one of the uh, forerunners of, the concept of like sustainable, you know, like composting in general. He was very much like, let's just go into the woods and let's rake up all these dead leaves and let's get some, some, um, what is it? The pond muck. And like, let, he, he was able to revolutionize the tobacco fields and the cotton fields where they kept growing the same crops over and over again. They were depleting the soil. Mm-hmm. He ended up coming in part of what he did. He did so many things, but part of what he did to really uh, basically save the economy of the South, because you know what the economy of the South was based on besides slavery, but the actual crops, the way that they were growing them, it was messing up the soil, mm-hmm. right? Depleting the, 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 the land of the nutrients that it needed. So mm-hmm. the concept of composting is it also goes along with that. And so what George Washington George Washington Carver was doing was he had figured out how to mend that. And that was the reason why he's known as a peanut man is because he did grow a lot of peanuts because peanuts are legumes and legumes contribute. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say it's either nitrogen or phosphorus. They, when you grow it, it naturally deposits that into the soil. Right. So he grew a lot of those, but he was growing them in order to mainly achieve that. That's called green manure. Gotcha. 
And manure is associated with, you know, uh, a compost or, or something that is used with gardeners. Like anybody who know about their grandma and them who used to grow whatever, you know, they, they can make that connection. And even when you go to the store, you'll see this product called, I think it's called black cow or something like that, where it's mainly a, a manure based product. But uh, I say all that to say, you know, I have to shout out the, the OG, I call him the goat on um, black in the garden. We did two parter episode on him uh, where we discussed those kind of things. And so, yeah. So with bringing it back to where we at now, pumpkins, right? Mm-hmm breaking them down, getting that compost because the compost is good for your soil. It's organic because you can use fertilizer. Sure, people use fertilizer and there's organic fertilizer, sure. But compost is the way to go that will, that that you add that to the soil and it's a very organic and natural amendment that just helps your plants to grow beautifully and wonderfully. So that's a simple way to put it. But yeah, so it takes about three months for it to break down. So let's say we start composting between October and November. Three months later, we're about to bust into the spring and we got fresh compost for those people who want to grow gardens and don't have to go steal bags of soil or whatever like I used to do. (laughs) If you are... uh, I want to give it away is what I'm saying. If you need help with that initiative, please let me know how we can... I need help. Okay. I will. <laughs> uh, let us, yeah, let me know how we can be uh, a part of that. And then also the initiative, you're welcome, the initiative of having true personal gardens and really, uh, to me, starting a revolution. Uh, the revolution is not going to be televised. I don't think it's going to be something that we march about. No offense to anyone who's marching. I oh, think yeah. the revolution is going to happen through agriculture. And I, wow. I, I think it is. If we can, control... I'm mad you beat me to that point, and I'm the one doing the Black in the Garden show. Let me write that down. Say that again now. The revolution is going to happen through agriculture. Yes. And, and yes. When, I, when I look back over my life and I listen closely to every sentence that has ever been said to me, everybody keeps saying, especially our known enemy who happens to have white skin, is saying, mm-hmm. I don't know why y'all are not in. Y'all are not dealing with agriculture. You taught us the game. They're telling Very us. True. They're telling us that that's that's the secret to this thing, and we keep running from it because we are associating it with um, a very dark time in our history. But if we own it, it's not slavery. If Ooh, we wee. if we own wow. the land, it's not slavery. It's a lot. Wow! Of wow! Wow! It's you better preach. It's a lot of sweat. And t- I'm not saying that I'm a, a gardener or a farmer, but if we can uh, get the acquisition, one of my favorite words, if we of can get acquisition of land and do something that is going to make it an asset instead of a liability by, by allowing that, that uh, land to keep producing for itself over and over and over again, we create wealth within a year. Because we've created a land that is going to produce for the next five. It's unlimited. There's a, it's a source of generational wealth, if you will. I mean, don't you, we can still see the, the evidence of the generational wealth that had been acquired from our ancestors labor in, in those fields, in the, those 
agricultural ass fields. Okay. So you just spit a lot of bars there. I'm, I'm ready for that mixtape. Ready for it. Yes. We, we've birthed the idea. And so now all we have to do is execute. The agricultural revolution mixtape. I love it. I want to jump on it too. Let's do it. So before we let people know how they can collaborate with you, work with you, um, I got to ask this million dollar question. And it may seem like a really silly, simple question. But I want to, can I just say one thing right quick though about the revolution? It's going to be real quick. I promise. Go ahead. I just want to plant a little seed, just a little food for thought, if you Go will. Oh, plant a seed. Get it? Because I'm a gardener. You get plant it. You get seed. it. Boom. So one of those industries, I can't say this enough is cotton, right? Okay, you start talking about Black people picking cotton, growing cotton, involved in the cotton industry, a little bit of emotion comes up, or maybe a lot, right? But who buy the most clothes, really? Who want to be the flyest one on the block? Who, you know, like... Now you're giving them a lot. Textile. I'm going to pull you back just a little bit, because here's the thing. If we control cotton, we control the world. Boom. Okay, I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm gonna leave it right there. there. I ain't going no go no further. It, it, Just it, think it, about that. And then here's another one. If we control sugar, we control the world. What about tobacco though? Because niggas and blunts. Yeah. Niggas and blunts. I, well, and no I don't know if we control the world with tobacco, but we definitely can control a piece of the world with tobacco. But with sugar and cotton, it's game over. Tobacco is like, uh, yes, but the world's pushing it, maybe half the world. But sugar, cotton, uh, if you can somehow have access to peppers, uh, if you have access to like the seasonings, that's global. Like we're talking global. As much as we like to season our food good, there's so many. I literally have at least six types of pepper seeds. Shout out to Seedmail once again. And we could grow herbs. If people would we can stop, grow garlic. Come on now. If people These are would stop, if people would stop just for a second and be like, "Yo, what the heck are we doing?" Much as we love hot sauce, why we ain't growing peppers? Why why don't we control the flow of agriculture in the world? Black people should own agriculture. We love hot sauce. I'm a little stuck on the hot sauce. Okay. So, There's so many types of peppers. Grow up. You can grow a pepper in a, a soda can. Dead so ass. We're going to get back on this. We are going to have part twos and part three. I think what we should do in the I future, would like to be a contributor to the Black Equity podcast. I think we should have a master class in the future on how people or that. can get I won't go too far. We should have a master class on some okay. things. And Entrepreneurship is, is my whole ugh and that's can, what that is. We can collaborate, have the conversations. I know how to ask the right questions. Bring you know how to find the right people, and so from there, I got a network. We exactly, it's and deep. we do too. And so we bring yes. the investors in. You bring in the knowledge with all the Yo. different people, and all we got to do is find people who can catch the vision yes. and start building it um, one yard at a time. Okay. Yeah. The million dollar question. Million dollar question. This mixtape gonna be fire, by the way. It, it really is. What's the furthest distance 
that you had to drive for a particular drop in in the world of trucking because I, I was listening to this guy the other day mm-hmm. he, he said he's been trucking for 20 years and i think he's from new york yeah. and he said he had to go to cali to pick up a loan well i don't know if he picked it up from new york and had to take it and then he had to go to st louis yeah like he was just driving all over the dang country and he said he ain't seen home in three months and so okay. I was wondering for you, what has been your experience as far as the furthest you've had to go and how long that's taken you away from uh, your family? Uh, when I first started trucking, I didn't have a family. It was just me as a single gal just out here uh, trucking and enjoying myself and making several bad decisions. Uh, also, I so that was between like 2005 and 2009. And then I did end up having a whole family and going back to trucking in 2018. And when I went back, that was a whole different situation. But to answer the question, which was how, what's the furthest I ever had to go or how, what's the longest I ever had to be away? Yeah, both. There's a lot of ways that I can kind of chop that up because thing about me that I always prioritized was home time and Trucking is modern day slavery. I'm just going to say it because uh, they pay you pennies on the mile. They pay you pennies on the mile. That's slavery to me. All right. So for me, I just, I've always been of the mind frame of I'm going to save some me for me. So you're not going to have me out there for three months. Like, like your boy, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that life. That's, that's not my, I can't speak to that. I know that after about three months of me being living in this box. Okay. Cause there's a bed in the truck in the cab, I'm not about that life that much to where I want to live in that truck that much. I know people who, who do that and they think that it's cute or stack up your bread. Cool, fine. But also my mental health and also I don't want to be in this truck. I don't want to live in this truck like that. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But as far as, you know, how far I've had to go, I've had to go from sea to shining sea. Mm. Okay. I remember picking up a load of fresh flowers when I was driving refrigerated in Miami and delivering that uh, right outside of LA. Wow. So you did do it. Shining Sea. I can't tell you how many miles that was, but you get how, that that was far. But how long does that keep you away from home? In that particular situation, I actually was in a team operation. So it was myself and a co-driver. Mm-hmm. And so that trip, I want to say that trip took maybe three days, okay. four days tops. Okay. Um, but you said, how long did that keep me away from home? Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, maybe I'm not the best example of being that long haul stuff. I get it. Long haul. Sure. I drive long distances, but I would never let them keep me away from home for more than three weeks at a time. Okay. When this guy was talking about his experience in trucking, Mm-hmm. it just stood out to me because then you just said it's modern day slavery and pennies on the mile. He said something to me um, that just, it just rings in my ear. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, I'm going to be in this truck for as long as they're paying me. Chabu. <laughs> but you know, you know what was in my mind? I said, what? why not pay yourself? Why not Mm. why not 
start your own like if you were that dedicated there are black owned trucking companies and that's the thing and and independent operators and owner operators is a very real thing and black people are definitely getting into the game for sure so to what you're saying absolutely that and that that's the terminology around it so i want to i want to put out this cry for uh for help to the community here because mm-hmm. what he was saying is actually what everybody's saying, but they're just not in trucking. They're just in their own different lanes. He's mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to do this for as long as they, they wow. pay the me. They is what gets me. It's the they for me. And what if we flipped it around? Because w- the whole conversation has been about, well, I'm going to keep going to this grocery store as long as they paying me so then I can go get the groceries. And what I'm saying is, hey, everybody stop for just one second. There's been a pandemic. Everybody's had a time to reflect. We're about to possibly go back into a new reality, hopefully, right? Yeah. What if we do this thing when we pay ourselves and we dictate how we pay other people to do things for us? Why couldn't we yeah. grow our own, have our own trucking company, which many people are doing? So this isn't that much of a revolution of the trucking company part, but why couldn't you just have your own own a piece of it and don't even worry about ownership control your time that's important that's part of liberation we want liberation we we want oppression to be over and and there's so many facets to what makes up liberation but controlling your time is is a big one you know like being able to just take a nap whenever you feel like it or being able to just stop in the middle of the day and go and kick the ball around with your kids. You know what the Bible says? And I'm not trying to be religious at all. <laughs> it's too but late. I, you just said what you I, said. But well, I do believe you can find wisdom anywhere. So yes, here's what the Bible is saying. And I do believe this part of the Bible to be true. It's somewhere in Proverbs. And it says, mm-hmm. if you take a nap in the middle of the day, and I'm kind of butchering exactly what it says. But if you take a nap in the middle of the day, it's going to bring you wisdom. Mm. But if you y'all better get into the nap ministry because y'all know I'm sure you're familiar with the nap ministry. I'm not familiar with the nap ministry. Uh, get your life. Go follow right now. The nap ministry is. I'm just gonna say this because I ain't gonna get too deep in the weeds with it. Rest is reparations. Mm. Okay. That's not me, y'all. That is the nap. She calls herself the nap bishop. She has done like doctorate level studies and dissertations. We might have to on all of this. You need to get her on the show, though. Okay, I'll, I'm trying I'll, to get her on my show too. If I, okay, if well, I'm you honest, get, you reach out. You 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 put it all together. But to me, I try to get a nap at least once a day. Yeah, and I I'm I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people ask me, well, how do I know about this, and how did I find out about this? I took a nap, and then when I woke up, things started flying at me. Wow. Matter of fact, before this call. I had a nap. Oh, good for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And before a lot of these podcast episodes, I get my nap in. And I see people... where you're going with this. Go ahead. And so magically, the universe is now ready because I've reset the universe. Wow. And now we're allowed to, to dive in. You and I just had a multi-billion dollar conversation about agriculture today. We had a we multi-million dollar conversation about the trucking industry. 
Listen, you're downloading things exactly. when you're napping, when you're resting, right? But then also it's coming through our mouths and now we're creating a reality. So all the different things that we just said for the last hour, mm-hmm. we, we just manifested them already. So the masterclass mm-hmm. is going to happen. The mixtape. The mixtape, everything that we just said, boom. It now boom. is. Yeah, and oh, and so... Okay, so I know I shit on trucking a lot, but one okay. thing that I did actually love about trucking, especially the last time that I was at it, because I was a lot more developed personally, was the having the space to daydream. Now, you do need to pay attention when you trucking, obviously, because people could die. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> very much having the space to really be very in tune with and one with my thoughts and just be by myself didn't always love being by myself, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts or whatever, but daydreaming is essential. I read a quote the other day and I'm still processing it. And I think, mm. this, quote, I think this quote happened right after a nap. Okay. That's mm-hmm. important, important to notice. I, I think I, I took a nap. I woke up and the quote came to me and it either through social media or something else. It said, imagination is God. Period. And I said, wait, hold up. And so then I start, and then I took that quote and I said, well, let me look into this. And there's books about it, about how our imagination is truly like we, we call it imagination and daydreaming. And, you know, we're thinking, no, that's actually all that is real. And so yeah, you made me want to go hit the blunt right quick talking <laughs> like that. I really, I, you know, I have, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> That, that's and we need to get our hands in that too. That's agriculture too. That's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so when I say agriculture, anyway. That's why I was saying with tobacco. I'm like, we we rolling that blunts in tobacco leaves. To, you right, but that we need to grow. You write about tobacco leaves, but I'm really concerned about Mary J. It's you know that oh, that's that's where the money's at. The money's in Mary J. I mean, tobacco leaves. Whole yes. show. Yeah, I, I really don't want us to actually take in the tobacco leaves. I okay. don't think I don't think that's healthy for us. But I do believe the. I actually don't believe in smoking Mary J. Okay, I, actually, I got you. Yeah. I actually believe that Mary J. should be uh, attracted into an oil. Ooh, and that brownies. oil is act well people <laughs> but actually in the medical in the medical marijuana uh industry they just take a little bit of just a little bit of oil and they that's put a it tincture on their tongue, yes tincture and, and you will be exactly t- tincture you'll be quote-unquote high for like five to six hours off of a drop because it's doing it wrong yeah, we're doing it wrong, and then we, yeah, we're we buying we're buying pounds and pounds, and we're smoking and smoking it, but we're only high for an hour. So, if the goal was to be high, the scam of it all, it, the scam of it all. It, if the goal is to be high, you just take a little bit, put it on your your lip or your uh, your tongue, you'll be high for six hours, just a little. Now, of course, if you have high tolerance, you might need a little bit more than a little. But even that little bit more wouldn't even measure it's to the amount. still not a lot. Like you could have like literally, oh man, you could have an ounce of the liquid that would last you so much longer than an ounce of the bud. 
here's why they're doing way longer. Here's why we're messing up the agriculture game. We're messing up the agriculture game because we want to look cool because we've seen somebody else do it on TV or music videos. So because mm. we've seen somebody sit back with the blunt and the, the, the smoke comes out and they're blowing and it just looks cool, we're like, oh, I want to do that too. So they, they, they puff on so, it. I exactly. Blame we got to, you know. <laughs> we're puffing on something and it looks cool and we are getting that highness from it but if we really got into the science of it Mm -hmm. smoking actually doesn't economically make sense or environmentally you know what i'm saying environmentally so many swisher sweet paper wraps plastic littering the hood as we speak but when i when i say that they say you're trying to you're trying to be a goody two shoes you don't want me to have my mary J. No, no, no. I want you to have Mary. I want you to have the Mary J. I just want you to do it the most economical way possible. And also, I want you to tap into the pineal gland. And you're going to do that through the oils Ooh. more than you are the smoking. Okay. Because you're higher longer. If I support higher, that. If you, <laughs> All right. How can people collaborate with you? How can they work with you? How can they reach out to you? So you should email me at blackinthegarden at gmail.com if you just need to get at me like directly like that, Uh, especially about collaborations. I'm always game for a good sponsor for my show. I've I've gotten to that point where monetization is a must for me. I've been at this long enough and, you know, I need my podcast reparations, if you will. So there's that. that. (laughs) I've been giving you a lot of episodes for free. So there's that. And then also... Um, on Instagram, my, my primary source of social, which is at Black in the Garden on Instagram, I, I tweet a little time, a little something, something at Black in the Garden on Twitter. I do have a Facebook that's Black in the Garden. It's, it's universal across the board. Uh, if you felt blessed, you know, and you feel blessed by what I said, and you feel like you really want to just drop some coin my way, Black in the Garden is my cash tag. All right. You may deposit that as well. And become a patron uh, to get exclusive, uh, you know, content, extended interviews from uh, Black in the Garden. So that's patreon.com forward slash Black in the Garden. It's all Black in the Garden. And you can ask Auntie Google, that's what I call her, uh, how to pull up my podcast or Alexa if you fuck with her. And she will tell you, she will pull up the show for you. Okay. But outside of that, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, sound no, not SoundCloud. I'm lying. Uh, all the podcatchers, really, but those are the main two. And uh, iHeartRadio, I, I did get myself on there. I did. I, I'm a one woman operation at this very moment. I'm I'm developing a team at this very moment as well. But so that is why I'm like, yo, support your girl because this is a black woman out here. This is a black owned business, and I just started another one. Speaking of business, you know, there's a, a whole network that is formulating right now. Like I said, I'm going to do a trucking podcast. It's happening. All right. It's, it's a matter of time. It's most likely going to be next year. But I just started the Plant Kiki podcast with my homies. It's four hosts. And we just have a good time talking shit about our plants and how they get on our nerves sometimes. And also how we love them and, you know, things like that. But it's mainly a houseplant oriented Kiki, good time, lighthearted, fun 
show. And I'm very proud to present that. Black in the Garden presents the plant Kiki. So you got two ways of keeping up, two shows for now until I make more. Very excited. I'm glad we have the opportunity uh, to speak here on Black Equity. Uh, everybody go out and do everything that Cola just told you to do. Now, I, I am going to um, ask this because usually I don't think we've ever had a podcaster come on the show and I did not ask this question. So you get the opportunity. You never had a podcaster No, no, I'm saying I've never had a podcaster on who didn't get the opportunity to do what I'm about to do now. Oh, my bad. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Uh, so usually I say before we head out, you get to at least ask me one question. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's out of respect for us both being podcasters, you should be able to ask me a question as well. And yes. so the floor is yours before we head out. Do you have any questions for myself, Black Equity, um, that I can somewhat try to answer for you? I The questions that I have to ask require a more long form of an answer. So I know we're at the end of the show. Uh, let's see. I would like to ask you, as far as the Black Equity Network podcast goes, mm-hmm. 2021 What's in store mm. for us? Are you have you already started imagining that? Yes, I uh, I've been doing a lot of imagination lately. You've been napping. I've been doing a lot of napping, and I think, yeah. I think people have thought that I've been pulling back, and maybe it's true. Maybe I have been pulling back. Okay. Uh, so for twenty twenty one, where I want to go, if permitted, is I want to go. We don't need permission. Well, you know, with, you know, the- I get you though. Yeah. Um, I want to go behind the scenes. I see. Okay. Yes. Because that's that's really, like I mentioned, the plant kiki, that's a big part of it for me is I'm not so much front and center on that one as much as I am like doing editing and, and conceptualizing and promoting and stuff. So I'm sorry. Continue. You're fine. Behind uh, the scenes. I, yes. I went, I went on a cruise one time right uh-huh and it was my first cruise ever and um it was just this pamphlet came out and they said here are all the different excursions and the first excursion that caught my eye was behind the scenes with the um not the pilot but the captain the captain Mm -hmm. of the ship and i said oh i gotta do that like i don't care about you know jumping on dolphins which is probably cool or whatever i don't care about you're into it yeah you know it is what it is i don't care about snorkeling and all these other excursions i want to go behind the scenes uh, because not only do you get to meet the captain but you get to see how the food is made uh you get to see the living quarters of the people who live in the the ship and so i went behind the scenes and it was basically this is before i even had a podcast by the way it was basically like a podcast episode because I was asking all these questions, but I never yes. recorded it. I never, you know, I never got a chance to document it. And so what I see happening in 2021 and maybe even further than that is it's time for us to go a little bit behind the scenes to some mm-hmm. of the conversations. So yes, we're talking about agriculture. It's time for me to sit down with the agricultural bank and let's go through how this thing is actually operating Ooh. and how this thing is actually moving. And so I like that direction. I want access, damn it. I want exclusive access to all the things that have been kept away from us. And I mm. want to document it 
for our people. So for once and for all, we know what the game is. And we once you mm. the game, you can change the rules of the game. And so that is yes. where we're headed, is we're going behind the scenes of some of the, the topics and situations and industries uh, that I've always wanted to uh, display. Me I want to go. You can come with me. By yes. all means. Um, me personally, I've actually gone behind the scenes in a lot of these situations. I just didn't have a mic at the time. And so now I want to take yeah. a mic, I want to take a camera and be like, yo, let's talk. Let's really go behind the scenes and talk about this thing. Let's walk through it and figure out how we can really educate our community. Great question. I'm with that. Great question. Uh, you know, I'll be asking questions. I interview a lot. Do your thing. You do your thing. <laughs> Us podcasters be having questions and stuff. Yes, you That's do. beautiful. That's dope. I, I see similar for myself. Uh, COVID really put a wrench into, into those plans of, you know, going and being in people's faces like that. But yes. I, I'm excited about those opportunities opening up for you. Thank you. I as you that. have manifested them. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cola be talking, Black in the Garden podcast. This is an epic episode. This is part one of hopefully uh, an unlimited part. Well, series. I got to put a number on it. I appreciate you for having me. I appreciate you coming through and I'll be talking to you again soon. Love, light, and soil. Did you love today's episode? I told you there was going to be a lot of fire in this episode. If you are interested in collaborating uh, with today's guest or appearing on the show or being an advertiser on the show, uh, just reach out to us at blackequitynetwork at gmail.com. Let's have a conversation. Let's set up a a time to talk. Um, We are so grateful and so honored Uh, for our guest today to give us so much wisdom and a really healthy conversation on the current landscape of gardening, farming, and agriculture. Thank you, Cola Be Talking, for stopping through. And of course, uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Everyone, thank you for uh, tuning in. If you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe to uh, this podcast episode. Also, leave a rating, leave a review, and also follow us over on Instagram. You can follow us at Black Equity Network uh, to learn more about the different things that we have going on. And of course, if you want to collaborate once again, reach out to us at Black Equity Network at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for tuning in today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Black Equity Podcast.